But we also like to talk about the issues, like politics and those sorts of things. Boring stuff. Oh Teep. my god. This is Teep. really important. We were so dumb. Far too long to Just make shut up, Steve. Just stop talking about that. Like, Liam was right in the first place, okay? It's not boring. It's very important. And I'm glad I was able to develop here with you, Liam, on this journey. Um, it's like a character arc, I would say. Um, but today we're going to be talking about a very serious topic that is very prevalent in today's society, especially. Uh, it might change history, I mean, it went completely so. Um, we did promise we would be talking about more serious topics, and now we have come to deliver. So, uh, first, let's start off with a very, very simple statement. Um, black lives matter. Yeah, black lives matter. Very, very simple. Um, you know, we all, everyone can get behind that. We'll go over that a little bit later. So, um, yeah, um, I, Teve, have attended um, one protest. So, first, we're going to start off with uh, our experience with protesting. I know Liam has done a lot more protesting you can actually give some good um comparison advice on what was really happening behind the scenes there so i went to my house um it was primarily younger i would say if if you haven't been to a protest this is kind of useful so i would say uh, a lot of younger people i saw some adults um maybe they're probably parents with their children uh, advocating and supporting the cause but primarily teenagers students like me um for of all ethnicities, so minorities and and and, my, and white people, all of them were together in this car, cause, holding cardboard signs, um, and a lot of them said to you have to honk if you support Black Lives Matter, and I heard tons of honking. Um, there was no violence. I did see police there, uh, but they were um, far away from the scene. They were probably just watching because this was near the time of the Minneapolis riots, um, so the police were just nearby to make sure that. Um, it didn't turn to that, and I obviously didn't. Um, probably the most violent thing was when someone, um, like, so yeah, someone lit off a firework. It wasn't like a firework; it was like just a, a thing that just made a loud, like, booming noise. And that was probably the strangest part of the mm-hmm. entire experience. Everything other than that, um, you know, we there were chants, we were chanting. There was water. There were chips there. I met up with some of my friends there. Um, everyone parked at the giant that I live nearby. Um, yeah, and that was basically the entire thing. Uh, it was there was masks as well. Um, not social distancing though. There was not a lot of social distancing going on, but there were masks. Wait, was this the one uh, in Burke down the parkway? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the I one where they. Um, so I wasn't there because I was busy beforehand, but they actually took over the entire road that they were on, and they started marching. And then they marched back. Yeah, and then, I did that. Yeah, I was not in there, but uh, I know a lot of people that were in there. I was at the end when they came back. I went to that because um, my mom was a little bit afraid of, especially since the Minneapolis thing had happened, that I would get hurt and stuff. But um, I heard it was completely safe, right? Wouldn't you say something? Yeah, well, my experience, I mean, my my mindset was it's just something that I have to do. Um Mm-hmm. The first one that I went to was at the White House um, the day after um, the national um, the, the park police tear gassed the innocent protesters outside at Lafayette Park to mm-hmm. clear the way for the presidential photo op in front of the St. John's Church. Um, and so I went with a group of friends that 
again, we're tear gassed the day before. And we knew very well that the National Guard, the U.S. military and whatnot would all be there using live rounds that day. And yes, my parents were concerned as well, but it was just something that I had to stand up and do, you know, for what's right. Mm. Um, and once I got there, it was it was just so it was so incredibly it was as moving as it was peaceful. Um, mm. And all of the ones that I went to were just like that. You know, these these reports that you see of riots in the street and, you know, people starting fires and vandalizing buildings and hurting local businesses. I don't deny that that happens, but it's amazing the way that media can control the narrative and essentially hijack it to try and discredit an entire movement of people that just demand, you know, basic human rights, just Mm -hmm. the same way that, you know, the president and conservative media hijacked Kaepernick's kneeling protests at, during the NFL yeah, yeah. Um, national anthem three years ago. There's no difference between the two. Um, and so that was my experience. I also went as the same one that you were partially at. I walked down the middle of the Burke Center Parkway, you know, Everyone was very respectful of everyone's space. Everyone cared about each other's health and safety. Everyone was wearing masks. I mean, that's the difference between, you know, a, an economic civil liberty protest and a, and a Black Lives Matter protest, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one, um, I went to um, downtown Fairfax, which was just, it was a gathering, you know, you know, people hark. Uh, honking their horns as they drove by, you know, signs, um, guest uh, black speakers um, to sort of give their views and their input and to educate everyone else that was there. Um, Yeah, the one thing that they all had in common was that they were peaceful. But I also noticed that they were slightly different in how the protesters were being treated at each one. And I think it has a lot to say about, you know, the idea of white privilege in our communities and how different people Mm -hmm. are treated, you know, based on how they look or how, you know, our police easily get intimidated when, you know, large groups of people unite, you know, I mean, as I said, the national guard was there for a peaceful protest that Mm -hmm. day. Whereas in downtown Fairfax, I think I saw one cop the whole day. And I think the difference between the two is, quite wow. frankly, because Fairfax is predominantly white. D.C.'s yeah. not. Well, I mean, I, I don't know, actually, the makeup of D.C., but... of of uh, Oh, yeah. For, for Fairfax-Burke, definitely... Uh, Fairfax-Burke is yeah. definitely overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly white. And mm. I, that shows, I think... Yeah, that's kind of like the evidence that everyone has been saying, because it's true that misinformation in the media sells and perspective through the media is not always as you see it. Right. When you see, um, you know, you see all the time, you see Minneapolis fires uh, like the auto zone catching on fire, um, the target, you know, being uh, being destroyed. 
you see that all the time, but you never hear of the peaceful protests that are probably that are still going on. Yeah, throughout everything, every every single state in the entire country has had a protest about this, and you don't hear it from the media. So, it's I wouldn't say it's not like misinformation because that did happen, but it's like selective cherry picking, and it's just kind of nasty in general, right? Like how could their their job, the news? is to is to serve us and give us information right but even then you see time and time again how media cannot always be um as reliable even like conservative media and liberal media all report on these uh, on these very violent protests simply because that is what sells that's what sells it gets a lot of attention um, but they're not showing us the full picture, which is kind of their job. So, um, but the thing is, your experience, where the National Guard was called on a mixed community of protesters, while it was not called on a primarily white one in Burke, um, in Fairfax, is kind of the direct evidence that the news won't really like outline for us, right? And we have like you would be like a witness of direct evidence that kind of suggests. I mean. Some like conservatives are very alt-right people. They would say that it would suggest or it, w- it would improve, but definitely shows that there's evidence of white privilege. You know, regardless of your opinion on it, there is a difference in at least in the eyes of the government of an of a group of uh, minority protesters and a group of white ones. And you know, if the, if the national guard was called for both or neither, then it would have been. Okay, but it was only called for one group, and that is kind of, you know, solid evidence, would you say? And I also think that, I mean, yes, it's gotten better over the last few weeks compared to, you know, Mm -hmm. the same week that George Floyd was murdered. But I also think that's only because it's become more mainstream. And yes, politics are really only, you know, successful in their mainstream but five years ago i mean black lives matter is not new yeah it's, it's been a thing i just i think it's good that it's become mainstream but it, it can't stop it just being a trend you yeah know? I, I made a statement about it um as I do often with just just making fun of it, but really I wasn't really making fun of it this time. But it was just interesting how social media, since you know I us you and me we are young and we rely on social media for a lot of stuff, whether we like it or not. Um, and you know even parents they also rely on social media sometimes. And the fact that um, social media allows us to be connected in the world so easily at like the entire internet at the touch of our fingertips for teenagers makes it so that subconsciously without us even knowing that we have a lot of power or a lot of say um and when people repost or post a black square um to honor george floyd i i would say that is extremely insulting um and yeah, if i i said because um you know, it just physically, you're lifting up a couple fingers and looking at a couple screens just to post a black square and then say uh, a generic hashtag that is already drowned out already. Isn't this is not really honoring its temporary satisfaction that makes people believe they've helped. Spreading mm-hmm. awareness is 
insignificant. Everyone in the country and around the world knows of the events. I think there, I, I saw in like France or something, there were already rallies for Black Lives Matter for here, for honoring George Floyd in France. And mm-hmm. people in, or at least younger people now can, can excuse actual donations, protests, and speaking out of these, uh, these atrocities against minorities in America. And they think they can equate that to, to doing a social media post. There is no such thing as awareness anymore. It's all about information now. But I think people are, or at least at the time, maybe less so now, are still on, um, still under delusion, thinking that they've done enough for the African-American minority communities just by, uh, you know, liking posts on Instagram that say Black right. Lives Matter or anything. Your like activism that. has to go beyond Instagram. Exactly. You, and also, I think that every white person has a duty to, you know, confront, educate, mm-hmm. empower. You know, that's what the point of the Black Square was, was so that you didn't post anything that day. But instead, it sort of became a trend, you know? Yeah, that's. And as I said, trends are mainstream and mainstream possible. But at the same time, you, you can't. You can't do something because it's popular you have to stand up for what you believe in every once in a while because i mean if you don't stand up for something then you'll fall for anything i mm-hmm. mean but that's, think, that's just that's it's yeah. um what i want to say about that liam is that joining this movement is pretty significant right it takes effort to to stand for you believe in and risk yourself for example with police right if you're a minority you are blatantly risking yourself which is what gives the power to the movement right um because it's people out there that are willing to risk everything for a cause which is the beauty of it and that's what gives it its power right but for the youth i'm not sure that all of us can say that we're ready to lay down so much for a cause right it's not that we're selfish maybe we just don't understand the the bigger scope of everything don't you think that's that's like my reason or ration behind people thinking that social media posts and trends following trends is kind of like a a coping mechanism to take in a lot of um i guess difficult information and, and terrible information that is going around them all the time so they're doing, they believe they're doing right when they're really doing nothing. But it is up to you and up to me and up to everyone to make it easier for people to join the movement, right? So when people are, well, I will say this, that I see now like my peers and people are saying that it's like you're with us or you're against us, right? Um, but it's the fact that people that aren't in the movement, they might not even be completely informed on what's happening, right? Like if you But look, there's no excuse to not be informed in the age of information. Yeah, in I, I agree in that, but but specifically if you looked at Minneapolis and you looked at uh fires and, and things that have happened and, and destruction of property, which is you know, of course not in any way comparable to the loss of a single human life, but just at face value, how the media portrays it as, uh, like, it argues for Black Lives Matter being labeled as a terrorist organization. And when you hear that, I don't know if many people that are not aware or 
let's say, uh, white people or people that are not um, particularly targeted by um, racist police officers or racist law enforcement, they are not going to want to be associated with that because of of um, they're, they're, because of the cherry picking that's being portrayed to them, right? And when people are like, "Oh, well, will you believe that?" Then you're a racist and you're terrible. It makes them not want to join it even more, even though they were susceptible to joining it if they were informed, right? Well, it's like the statement: "All cops are bastards." Really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that term, it's kind of, it helps weed out the people that haven't educated themselves, haven't taken the time to understand. Mm-hmm. And, but when you make such extreme statements, I agree with it, right? But to, let's say, let's break it up into just like imaginary numbers, right? So let's say 55% of people, uh, let's say 50% are in the movement, right, of, of teens, right? And let's say 25%, um, sorry, that was my dog. Let's say 25% of people are not in the movement, but could be in the movement, right? They're just not aware of, of, of a bunch of stuff, right? And then let's say that the other 25% are people that don't even want to be in the movement at all, right? They are... You know, completely, completely set with, you know, I think America's great, great, make America great again, all that stuff. Um, so what do you have to say to those people? And I, I'm saying that there's no reason to, to talk to them, right? They are labeled and they actually don't need to be labeled because they will suffer the consequences of a racist mentality, right? But the people that are susceptible to joining the movement, right, they're not against the movement, maybe labeled as racist or being labeled as someone that doesn't want to join the movement um, because they're, I guess, hesitant or afraid because of all the things that are happening. And I think all they need is just one real talk about what it's about and can actually join. But when people are like us or them, and, and in this case it is, but when you say that, it's so easy to not join because you have like someone that's kind of being aggressive towards you. Understandably though, but if you're not even the thing is, I say understandably because I know what's going on. I know what is at stake and what how important this is, right? Obviously, that person that is susceptible to joining knows the importance of it, but still knows that there's a lot of negative stuff going on about with the Black Lives Matter movement. And then when they don't know that, and someone goes and says they're racist because they're not doing something, it makes them not want to join even more. That's what I'm saying. I just don't think it should be controversial, controversial, period. I mean, in an ideal world, uh, it everyone everyone would be in it. But I think that it's just interesting how people really figure out what side they're on and the fact that there are sides, right? There shouldn't be any, but there are. But there are some people that ha- probably have been turned away from the movement just because they have been labeled as something that they're not, right? Especially in the beginning, in the earlier phases. Now, it's kind of like pretty 
pretty distributed, right? It's, you have a certain percentage of people that are in the movement and a certain percent of people that are not in the movement and are against it. And there's not a lot of gray area anymore, right? But, but in the beginning, I, I, I'm going to say there was probably a lot of separation um, between people that... Um, and the thing is, it might not even been things like not being aware. Maybe a person didn't post on Instagram a black square, right? And they could be labeled as a racist for that, right? In which they aren't. They could have the same argument as me of saying that, um, you know, it doesn't do anything. But at the time, they say, if you don't spread awareness, then you're part of the problem, right? You can be racist and post a black square. Yeah, I, I that's just... also another thing I'd like to say about about my, my little post um, about, about um, what a black square actually does, which <laughs> is nothing, but... Um, I just, I guess we're just going to have to like stress the importance of just educating yourself. Yeah. If I, after I you've educated but yourself. Instead of, it's like educating instead of, I guess, guilting or just having some kind of. But even mm-hmm. it, your comfortability, it. These things shouldn't be that hard to understand. They shouldn't, you but know? We're, I don't we exactly can't speak for everyone, right? For people that aren't yet in the movement. Yeah, now everyone's, or not everyone, but people that, yeah, a lot more people in the movement now, right? But I feel like a lot more people, even that are now, could be in the movement, had things been different in the earlier phases of the movement, right? Where people were, I know some people that aren't racist, and they were lectured by uh, by everyone that in the, not everyone but people in the movement for not um, posting on social media. And maybe it's not the fact that they're racist. Maybe it's the fact they don't believe social media is the proper way to further a movement. Because the more you post on social media, the more it is a trend. So well, as long as they're doing something instead, then fine. Yeah, but if they're as long funding as said, but... racism in their own mm-hmm. communities you know, c- correcting it, explaining, educating themselves mm. and others, then fine. But you can't sit quiet. I agree. And um, like if I had, let's say, I, let's say I had, um, I donated like a lot of money, right? And I didn't post about it, right? Because charity is supposed to be selfless, right? You're not supposed to post how great of a person you are. That's another tiny comment. And when you post about doing a charity, you're kind of just nullifying the the great and the great value it's supposed to do to you, which is, you know, being a good person and have, having yourself in the movement. Um, and I don't really think it just posting on charity really makes other people want to post. Actually, you might even want to make them post less because, um, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, a lot of people already donated. There's no reason for me to donate. Right. If and you know, again, supposed to be selfless. So, but if I let's say I hadn't posted about how much money I've donated, right? And someone came to me and said that I am racist because I haven't been posting on Instagram about all the stuff I've been doing, right? So that person, without knowing anything about my contributions to the to the community, has already labeled me as an enemy, which. 
might have turned people away instantly just for saying that they're so aggressive in and I have done stuff for the movement and people do not like they're saying that there are proper or like there are specific ways to show activism right and they don't really recognize that some people might not not be not not uh, conform to those ways on specifically social media right which might have turned people away for being aggressive be like you are racist because you didn't post on instagram about this this and this which is and that a racist a non-racist person would have obviously took offense to this right and they might have had the mentality where they agree with the um with the black lives that are movement but they're also going to have the idea that the people there are i guess very um they, they, I think they would kind of understand why people are doing so much damage for the wrong reasons. They'll be like, oh, people are, are burning down and and um, causing property damage because they are just simply aggressive and violent. And, and that's just the, the, the bad part of the movement. In reality, that's not the case, right? But that's just the impression that someone might get. That's what I'm trying to say which is something that I think could have been done better. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think that, I mean, since people like to quote Dr. King as if uh-huh. they wouldn't have taken issue with him while he was alive before he was assassinated, but he did say that riots are the language of the unheard and that, if you're more concerned about the property damage and things like that and in his time, civil disobedience, Mm -hmm. then you're, you're more committed to order than you are to justice. Exactly. And I would like to say that Martin Luther King Jr. did not live to get, have his dream realized. But as soon as, as he was assassinated, there were many riots throughout the city. And just like a few days later, um, things were, you know, civil rights act and, and, and everything. Oh, well, I mean, not, not days later, but um, I'm saying because um, the Stonewall rights, I think we learned about them a push, right? Um, for the, the, I think it was called like the Stonewall Inn. It was for gay rights. And there were riots across the country. Um, and just days after those riots, um, there was like, I think more civil rights for, gay people homosexuals right so civil disobedience is what martin luther king practiced right and that is what many people on the right on the alt-right um would say is is the way to do it actually people on the alt-right would be like there is no problem in america but people that are hesitant right are saying civil civil disobedience is the proper way right but a lot of changes come through rights rights. there's nothing more american it's exactly. Written in the Declaration. We, of yeah. How did we get away from Britain and the UK? We killed them. <laughs> we just killed them. That's what well, we're just gonna just stop. And, and I, I want I want those people to lecture the people in like the 1770s, being like, you just need to stand still and not do anything, and then the UK will be nicer to you. 
we literally killed them and then we were free and now we're here. So that's like the original, right? The original riot. That's mm-hmm. our America. Which is the argument against. So, and you would think that there'd be nothing that the right would love more than a revolution. Uh, especially since, you know, we, and the thing is, next point. Defunding the police, right? Mm-hmm. Something that the right has often said is terrible. Again, that's another buzzword that if you haven't done your research, you'd probably get scared. Of. Exactly. And people that have been dissuaded or people that have been confronted and have a negative experience, people in the movement are going to already have this mindset of saying that defunding the police is stupid, right? But I'd like to say this, but that probably um, a lot of people have read about, but just in case, you know, there's no reason to to not spread extra information, right? Yeah, is it's that basically just taking weapons of war out of the police's hands and investing it into the community to prevent, prevent you know, the source of crime, you know. Exactly. That is the... investing in mm-hmm. stable housing, mental health facilities, um, addiction counseling, and even education, you know, to provide opportunities for youth so that they don't resort to crime, period. I mean, these problems they've lasted in this country for far too long and it's systemic. It's designed to be this way. And we're only now starting to address, you know, the source of the problem. Mm -hmm. Hey, Liam, I got a, I got a question for you. What? It's trivia. Hey, what's the NYPD budget? Oh, I just looked this up the other day. It's stupid. Like the number it's, is stupid. Like it's they but, say here it says six billion a year. And like yeah, something like that. And I, I thought I saw like a price many. comparison to like the the um the national defense budgets for other countries and we're like double or triple of that in a single city. And that could be reallocated into tons of different um mm-hmm. into communities, right? And and just for the right to join the, the Black Lives Matter movement is there's something I need to say is that don't you not want big government? If you want limited government, you want to give them less money. You want to put that in your communities. So you don't want to have the $6 billion NYPD budget. You want to put that in your communities and benefit from that instead of having the terrible police restrict your jaywalking abilities, right? Mm-hmm. And also... As a matter of fact, is that if there are less police, it gives people that own guns more reason to to own guns. <laughs> Just oddly I, enough, as a as a I side, mean, I'm no pro Second Amendment person, but you're not Just entirely speak. wrong. But I, yeah, it gives you more of a reason to now. Now you don't have to lose debates all the time to Liam. What else do we have here? I mean, the difference between, you know, right-wing NRA-loving militias and the Black Panthers of the 60s both storming the state capitals in their respective times and the reaction and the stigma surrounding each of them, I think, yet again, that's another example mm -hmm. of, you know, racism. It's just race, yeah. Yeah. There's no difference. I think that if that if you if what you're saying is the case, Steve, then I think that we'd amend the amendment and 
at least ban assault weapons in this country. At least. At least. that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that people should go out and, and get guns, but people that have guns now can say that, oh, well, the police is being defunded. I need to get guns. Um, and that will be an actual valid point that is a little bit irrefutable. But um, this is a little uh, a silly, silly benefit to to reducing the six billion dollar NYPD budget. <laughs> so oh my goodness! Okay, um, defund the police, Steve. Defund the police. Reallocate back into communities. Very simple. Instead of just like correcting through like laws and enforcement of laws it's like you said get rid of it at the source right instead of just catching it at the at the end when it's already done all its damage right say that again okay so like uh defunding the police and reallocating the funds there is more like a of a of a precautionary and preventative action, right? right. The police have too big of a role in our communities. It's, it's like, always okay. been that way. It's like you have, um, let's say, you just have mice, right? They're coming out of a hole in the wall, right? And they're going in a straight line right at the hole, right? And at the very end of their straight line, way farther, right? There's a mouse trap, right? So that mouse is going to go straight forward into that mousetrap and die, right? Go human, right? Mouse is dead. That is kind of like what having a really high police budget is, right? You're catching criminals by um, by, by the end of it, right? By the very end of the process after they've had terrible homes um, and have had to be in, in you know, it, terrible homes, terrible neighborhoods that have violence, gang, high crime rates to... Um, just to basically live because they're not educated, right? So you're catching them, but you're kind of creating like for back to the the, the metaphor, you have just like bits of cheese leading up to the mouse trap, right? Just so that the other mouses don't go astray. But instead of putting a mouse at the very end, you can instead, you know, just cover the hole of the wall of the hole in the wall. And then there are no more mice in your house. Isn't that easy? You don't need mousetraps anymore. Right. Which is, I mean. Just put some duct tape on the hole. We could even talk about the whole, uh, the prison industrial complex. The school, oh, yeah, prison private pipeline, prisons, everything like that. How, how it's more um, punishment and instead of. Uh, how the police were slave patrols for arbitrary cl- crimes created directly after slavery was abolished yeah reconstruction that's what made reconstruction a splendid failure as mr maxwell would say the original police force was basically to just restrict or enforce black codes that um suppress the opportunity of african-americans specifically right and now Um, redlining and economics and oh yeah cities and i'm gonna make systemic racism yeah, right. it's that's at the heart of what this entire yeah. movement is, which is, again, if you don't know this by now. You're like me in you're... the original episode saying that politics was boring. You're dumb, stupid, idiot, loser. <laughs> but let me just say the point about systemic racism, 
because I see everywhere. Um, systemic racism isn't real. Uh, it's not real. And you look back uh, during the FDR administration and you see loans are getting be giving out for um, for houses, right? So people can actually get homes, right? And um, what they did is what they did something called, um, I forget what it's called, but they, they made it so certain neighborhoods could apply for loans. They were the green neighborhoods. The red neighborhoods could not apply for loans. Okay. And green neighborhoods were full of white people and um, red neighborhoods. They couldn't apply for loans. They were primarily filled with minority, minority people um, like African-Americans. So the rich people, I mean, the, the white people were able to get loans, get houses, be able to renovate houses, sell them, make money, um, you know, benefit the neighborhood. Right. And eventually become rather wealthy and then business flock to their neighborhoods and, uh, and funding goes to them and all sorts of stuff. Minorities couldn't even get very good housing in the first place, which kind of gives them not. Like it, it doesn't give them the head start that loans should give you, right? So they weren't able to apply for them. They were not able to renovate homes. They were not able to to make money off of that. So they kind of stayed stagnant, while the green neighborhoods, the wider ones, um, boomed in wealth, right? And that is kind of what we're living in now is the result of that: minorities in poor neighborhoods, uneducated, terrible public schools, that automatically leads them to crime. And it's designed to be that way. Yeah, from the very beginning. Systemically. It's just like people say all cops are bastards because of the system, not because everyone's yes. inherently bad. Not because of the individual saying that they're terrible, but they choose to maintain a oppressive system, right? Mm-hmm. And that is the real message. Yep. Mm-hmm. I just got a Twitter notification, by the way, Teve, which could lead us into a different topic. All right. Lead me into it. Robert E. Lee High School has just been renamed. Ah, my friend and I talked about this like a few years ago. Um, they were like, Robert Lee should be renamed. And they were like, no. And it was a really weird discussion that we had. All right, and it's been remained to what? Lee High School. Um, that I don't know. Interesting. But at least it's been changed because people around here like the Confederacy too much. <laughs> uh, oh, I yeah. The Confederacy, they were not for slaves. They wanted states' rights. State's right to what? what? State rights to what, guys? (laughs) Idiots. Absolute buffoons. Uh, Robert Lee being renamed, that's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. I don't know what's... It's just the name of a high school. It doesn't really matter if it's renamed or not. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's renamed. No, it does. Yeah, it matters if it's renamed, but to conservatives are like, you can't rename it because it's history. I mean, it doesn't really affect them personally it's just kind of removing a really controversial name so they should just do it it's very easy and now they can just live 
And now and they can go to museums and read books and go on the internet if they want to learn history. Yeah. What a concept, Teve. Yeah, isn't it? We don't need the Confederate statues anymore because we're, we, we get taught that in, in all the schools. And I assure you, everyone will be able to learn it once we defund the police, reallocate them to public schools so they'll be able to learn about how terrible the Confederacy was. Yeah, basically. Basically. So if you want kids to learn about the Confederacy, Confederate lovers, you're going to want to defund the police and give them access to learn all about what they want about the Confederacy. Right. There you go, Teve. Yeah. So that's the real way to get. (laughs) new people that love the confederacy guys we need to make the confederacy cool again just make public no, fun. T- yeah. no, okay never mind history I books I we Teeth. need they need to know about it liam we need to popularize it no liam that's what i'm telling the confederates are the people that love the confederacy they can get on the, on the cards that's off the record though all right this has been teeth on TLC. Goodbye, oh, everyone. I'm not going to say that. Okay, well, what's the actual ending? Um, well, it should be serious. Or we could just go back to the normal timeline because we went back in time. Okay, yeah, edit it in. Okay, yeah, okay, I'll be like, all right, team, now, now do you understand how, how important politics is? It's not boring. It's very important. Okay, do it, should do it, all do it, have. do it. Yeah, that, that's that's what I was doing. All right, do it. I just did it, and then you interrupted me. Do it. I just did it, and now I have to do it again because you said okay. do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Okay, don't don't, don't say anything. Now you just agree with mm-hmm. me. Um, all right, three, two, one. So, Steve, politics isn't boring, you idiot. It's important to talk about, especially it's important for when... us all to learn. Yeah, it's to learn, not just to um, divide, right? Politics but to understand is, each other. Exactly. Steve, I hope you learned something today. Goodbye, everyone. All right, let's go back to our timeline. All right, now we're back in our timeline, Liam. All right. Okay, so what are we going to do for this episode? What do you mean? What we need, we still need to do an episode. Oh. Um, hey, you know what? We don't need an episode anymore, Liam. It's it's fine. Um, you know, I've been Teeth, and thank you for listening to the season finale of TLC. Goodbye, everyone. Do the thing. Um, da da da. Oh, okay. All right.